This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. As the introduction suggests, my name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Jane Otto and Jeffrey Show. Weekdays here in Memphis, Tennessee from 2 until 4. RJ Choppy, my co-host each and every Friday on the program. He's also the co-host of the Shannon RJ Show from 5.30 a.m. until 10 on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. RJ, happy Locktober to you. Man, isn't this great? We get finally get some fall weather around, uh, you know, at least around in the DFW area where I am. It's finally cooling down. We got a little bit of rain. It feels like football season. You know, we're in October now. Absolutely love it. We mentioned last week that we thought a lot of the lines stunk, and maybe we were onto something, or maybe we've just known what known what bad lines look like. Last week, of course, a week of big upsets or more disappointing performances. I suppose let's start right here because let's start with a team that still technically is alive for the national championship, Oklahoma. You said on this very show last week that it's all, it's a it's a no-touch game, but if you woke up Sunday and saw that Oklahoma lost to West Virginia, you wouldn't be stunned. Well, West Virginia couldn't handle a couple of snaps, and Oklahoma survives. What have you made of what you've seen of them so far? Not much. Uh, this is a team that has – you would think Lincoln Riley, who quarterback whisperer, would be able to whisper in the quarterback's ear to play better. Uh, magically, right, get him better. I don't know if Lincoln's failing Spencer or if Spencer's failing Lincoln. That's where we are right now uh, with Oklahoma. Their defense is better than expected. It's better than most Oklahoma defenses usually are. But their offense is in the, it's in the Clemson category of being in the repair shop. And fortunately for Oklahoma, they don't have a ton or any Georgias, Alabamas, Old Misses on the schedule. No Floridas. They've got Texas and avoid Manhattan. If they can avoid the upset in Manhattan, typically they're fine. Yeah, I think it's interesting. When you take a look at their numbers, there's no question when you look at Spencer Rattler's passer rating and you look at his passing statistics, he is nowhere near what the previous three had been. I do wonder, though, if a little of the blame is maybe being put on him unfairly because, to me, the biggest difference when you look at Oklahoma in the past five years, the biggest difference between this year and even to a certain extent last year, they're not able to run the football. And I think the reason why we're starting to see the lack of explosive plays from Oklahoma is used to be afraid of them running it down your throat and then they'd take the play action big shot. I suppose my question for you, how much faith do you have that they can get this right? Look, 
I've got faith in Lincoln Riley in general as a coach, but if his quarterback doesn't get it or isn't progressing with the program, then I don't have any faith at all. Uh, there is there is a local radio guy who's retired now, Randy Galloway in Dallas-Fort Worth, who used to say, it's about the quarterback. And if it's not, you know, if the quarterback's not playing well, I don't care what the coach can do. I don't care what the defense is. You're going to be at the risk of variance and the variance of a natural football game. And sooner or later, these close games of Tulane or West Virginia or whoever is going to bite them. So my faith in Lincoln Riley is I think Lincoln Riley is a really good coach. If this quarterback doesn't play to his level, then they're they're going to be they're going to get picked off by Texas in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting thing moving forward. You know, you got the student section chanting for the backup on a national TV game. That's usually right. not great. I think the issue I see with Oklahoma is I, I, I'm kind of with you. It feels like I don't know when, but it does feel like there there's definitely a loss coming. It's a question of are there multiple losses coming? And then I think another aspect of kind of what we're seeing throughout the country I'm not sure anyone's going to get through the season undefeated. I watched Oregon yet again last week, and I that that final score was nowhere near uh, the blowout that the actual game was. I mean, they struggled to put Arizona away. If Arizona finishes off a couple of drives, that was not even, oh, man, Arizona's going to scare them. Arizona had a chance to win that game if they don't have, mm-hmm. you know, four red zone turnovers. And then I look at a team like Clemson, and we see Clemson pick up their second L this week. And – you know, I think the theme that has been that we've seen though thus far is the teams that we thought didn't pass the eye test and the teams that we thought had losses coming, we started to see, you know, Clemson picks up that second L. It feels like with Oklahoma, it's a matter of time. It feels like with Oregon, it's a matter of time. For you, do you think Alabama, it's a matter of time? Or do you think that if anyone's going to be immune to it, it's them? I think if anyone's going to be immune, it's them. Um but I don't think they're necessarily infallible. Um, like, they would be my pick. If I had to pick one team to finish undefeated this year, it's probably either Alabama or Cincinnati, uh, just because of the schedule that Cincinnati's going to want to play in after this week. I, 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 those, that, that would be one of those two teams. But I don't know that anybody actually is going to go undefeated this year. It, it really is... This is a good year for college football. I know there's, there's the realignment, and I know they've paused on the 12-team playoff vote, but I truly think this is a good year for the sport. The sport has seen basically the same four teams in the Final Four forever. Uh, so, I, you know, I think right now what we've got going, I, I think we've got a good little bit of parity here. What do you make of Georgia? Because, you know, in terms of strength of schedule, Georgia's schedule is a little bit softer than Alabama's, and if you look at it in terms of defensive and offensive, uh, in terms of consistency and success rate, they're top 10 in offense, and then they're number one in defense. For you, I, I kind of get the sense that they're still kind of a, they got to prove it mentality. Is that fair? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I, I've been around the SEC enough to know that George is always going to let you down. Uh, death taxes in Florida beats Georgia every year. Uh, now, recently, I think Georgia's taken the last, you know, a couple, you know, like three or four or whatever. Uh, well, Florida but, got them last year. Last year. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, it's been, you know, Florida, Georgia, 
is is kind of hammer nail. Like Georgia, sure. you know, Florida fans love to remind you how much they always beat Georgia, and you know, and how much they always beat you know Kentucky and Tennessee. They just kind of whoop up on anybody that's that lives on I seventy five. And they so they kind of do. So I uh, you know I, I just look at the you know, Georgia. I'm still in a little bit of wait and see mode with them. Are you are you sold? You, are you sold completely on them? I don't know. I, 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 I'm starting to wonder how much credit are we giving them for beating Clemson? Because I think we've seen maybe Clemson just wasn't that good. Like maybe that was a, a nine and three, eight and four team, but there is something about it with Georgia. Like when you see what they did to Vanderbilt last week and we know Vanderbilt's terrible, but the fact that it's 35 to nothing, 11 minutes into the game. Yeah. That's, that's kind of tough to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, do, I do want to give them credit. I think the biggest problem for me with George is I don't have the JT Daniels gene. I don't, I don't know if I trust him when it, when it really matters. You like Stetson? Is that who you prefer? Uh, well, I, no. I would much rather them play. <laughs> I would much rather them play JT Daniels. When every time Stetson Bennett walks in, I get so mad and just curse Kirby's name because I swear – it cost him the cover against South Carolina because he just has to put him in there. And then it was perfect last week. 35 quick points, gets Stetson his drive, and immediately he's thrown into double coverage. I'm just like, good God, this yeah. is this is terrible. But I do trust Bryce Young more than him. I I do think I do think I probably uh, in terms of in terms of the other you know contenders. He's he's towards the bottom half for me in terms of do I trust him? That's fair, and and, and I think it's a really good point you bring up about the Clemson game. Uh, we are treating it as they beat Trevor Lawrence's Clemson, right? That's how we're treating it. In reality, they beat uh, Terry Bowden's Clemson or whatever was Tommy, you know, Tommy, Tommy. Sorry, mm-hmm. they beat. That's who they beat. They beat the Clemson that always lets you down. They beat the Clemson that was an 8-4 and four program, 7-5 and five, every single year, would get ranked, and then would get beat by Florida State by 38. Like, that's the team that Georgia played. Um, that's, the, that's what Clemson is. So, yeah, I don't know that – I do think we're giving them too much credit for beating Clemson. But, you know, you, they do whoop up on Vandy. And, and I, know, I know it's Vandy, but no, you don't beat teams by that number uh, if you're not any good. No, and I mean, they did the same thing to UAB. And for the most part, that's exactly what they did to South Carolina. And I think it's why I think tomorrow is one of the more fascinating days. Because if you if you disagree, feel free to speak up. It feels okay. like if we're doing the it feels like if we're doing the uh, the rock festival, if you will, the, the, the festival show, the three headliners are Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Ole Miss and Alabama and, and Georgia and Arkansas. And to me, it's almost like. You know, you look at that line, you see it's 17 and a half. Vegas says that they're a legitimate three scores better. I do want to see them do it against a defense that I trust. I know Arkansas is going to be banged up on offense, but I still trust them defensively. And to me, like, it's a it's a big eye test day for Georgia tomorrow to me, from, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. I, I We are going to get – we are going to be able to take our trusty little notepads on Sunday and just cross things off. Yeah. We're going to be able to cross the questions off because we're going to have so many answers – uh, come Sunday morning, uh, even Saturday night. And, 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 you know, like that that Georgia-Arkansas game, 
What was the last eight versus two that was not in the Big Ten that you saw at 11 a.m.? I they don't you don't see it. No, you I know, mean, I think it speaks to the power of Kiffin, though, doesn't it? Because this is a game, you know, eight and two. You would eight, no, you, that's that reeks of the SEC on CBS, but you know, to me, it's the classic game day is going to be there, and you know, for better or worse. TV executives are gonna they're gonna put on what they can sell and they can sell yeah. Kiffin versus Kiffin versus Saban and for whatever reason, you know the the Arkansas story I think to college, you know college football enthusiasts I think there's nothing but respect, but I still don't think it resonates in terms of ooh I gotta watch that. I know I, I would think it'd be the six o'clock game, uh, you know the, the the ESPN night game not the day but whatever I mean look it's 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 gonna be. A wonderful appetizer for the rest of the day, and that's exactly what's going to happen because uh, it's going to lead us right into uh, Ole Miss and Bama. But, I mean, uh, what a game this is going to be. Like, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I can't wait to see the atmosphere there. Um, you know, like Arkansas, you know, there's a lot of alums of Arkansas, probably in both the cities that we live. I know in Memphis, I'm sure there's a ton. And oh, I know a ton, a yeah. Lot of them. A lot of them in Dallas, where Jerry Jones is probably going to be there at the game. Um, he's uh, obviously uh, his grandson plays there. Yep. But this is this is a game that I am really, really looking forward to because I am fascinated to see who George really is and what Arkansas really is too. A and M that that was a they were a live dog against A and M. We knew that going in. They were a live dog because A and M's offense is just you know without King it just kind of broke. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you, you watch what they did to Calzada, and, you know, for me, I used to always get frustrated with Jalen Hurts and that he would have his first read, bail right on the pocket, yep. fired out of bounds. Well, Calzada has a completely different take on it. It was bail on the pocket immediately. Don't even look at your first read. Run up to the line of scrimmage. Realize you're at the line of scrimmage yell OS and then start backing up and throwing off his back foot. It was a, it was an interesting way to try to move the football. And I, I hope everyone's sitting down for this. It was not effective. Do you not think that works? I think that works wonderfully. That's, you know, he was trying the Tebow move, right? You're up to the well, last scrimmage and then just do the jump pass. <laughs> it, it is one of these, this line being at 17 and a half, you know, I can close my eyes and see this game being, you know, 28 to three and, and you know, never really a doubt. When we're talking about JT Daniels and, and trust, one thing that I, I think Barry Odom has done a very nice job of is he'll sit back in these softer defenses, but he has his safety attack the quarterback once he inevitably bails on the pocket. JT Daniels, that's kind of what got him in trouble. That's that's what got him out yeah. of USC, and that's what got Keaton Slovis the job is that he would kind of be late on throws and bail on the pocket. I think this is a big test for JT Daniels. Uh, look, it is, and the quarterbacks that are scared don't make it. But the quarterbacks that just that drop back and think the pocket. I mean, how, we saw this. We see this with every NFL young quarterback, and it happens every single year where they they think, A, the receiver's not open, and B, yep. the pocket's broken down. The reality is, is that at every you new level it. you go to, the pocket gets tighter and the receivers get more covered. And those guys are open in this league at this level. And th that pocket is clean at this level. And some of these guys, just it takes a little bit longer to figure out. That's why it's scary to me to take quarterbacks who only have one year of college experience. 
Sure. You know, unless you're Cam Newton, who can run like crazy, and you know he'll be fine. It's it's still scary to me to take a guy who only saw 800 snaps in college against elite defenses. Oh, I completely agree with you. And when we come back, we're going to get into upset alert because there is one quarterback that I think fits the mold that RJ is talking about. He plays fearless. He has got plenty of experience. And perhaps I think he could be involved in one of the bigger upsets for tomorrow. Also, we're going to get into Cincinnati and Notre Dame. We'll get a little bit more into Arkansas and Georgia. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. And you're listening to BetQL. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Upset alert. All right, RJ, six ranked teams last week lost. Ole Miss taking on Alabama in Tuscaloosa in 2014 and 15, two teams that I covered. Ole Miss knocked off Alabama. The offensive coordinator for Alabama those two years was one Lane Kiffin. Here's what Lane Kiffin had to say of whether or not that has any impact on this year's matchup. Not at all. That has nothing to do with this. That has nothing to do with this game. Those are two really big wins by Ole Miss. And, you know, and any time that you go go play a number one team, especially there, but you're going to have to prepare really well. You're going to have to play really well. You're going to have to get some breaks, go your way, you know, to have those type of upsets. And that's why they rarely happen. You've got to have a lot go right. RJ, we know the stat. Nick Saban assistants are 0-23 when taking on the big boss man. Is Lane Kiffin the first guy to knock him off? Man, it would be uh, kind of uh, poetic if he was, right? But, yeah, I, I, I want to be talked out of this. I want to be talked out of this because I, I do not, do not want to bet against Alabama, uh, especially when they're only laying two touchdowns. But this is an actual upset, upset, upset. Yeah, I do think they are. A uh, couple of things here. First, you know, prior to last year, Nick Saban – was 51% against the spread against SEC teams if you remove Tennessee. He's like 60% if you put the balls in. That's disgusting, I know. But he barely covers. It's very hit and miss. Last year, he only lost two games, ATS, in conference. I think we're getting a little bit of an overvalued Alabama team. I know it's crazy to say. I know. I know. I think we're getting a little bit of an overvalued Bama team. Ole Miss, meanwhile, they got a plus 12. Uh, cumulative margin against the spread this year. They're th- about three, two and a half to three points worse, I think, than Florida. Bama didn't come close to covering the Florida game. Take Ole Miss. Upset alert, Alabama. Yeah, you can get it right now around plus 450. I have it myself. I will say, though, you bring up a good point because part of my hesitation right now is how much I actually like this game. Because I can give you a lot of reasons that I really like Ole Miss. First and foremost, we discussed quarterbacks during the last segment, quarterbacks that are fearless. Matt Corral is fearless. However, this is his first true road start in the SEC. You know, last year with it being such a weird year with COVID and the attendance policies and whatnot, this is going to be his first 
true SEC road start with the bright lights. It's also perhaps the biggest job interview for him because I think if he comes out and he joins the list of Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, guys that went into Tuscaloosa and won, I think it's highly likely he's going to be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft. And I think at that yeah. point, you have to suspect he's probably going to be the first player taken. What is the argument against it? Because I'm almost a little afraid. You know, you look at the money, and there's still a decent amount of money on Alabama. But it feels like everybody is on Ole Miss. That's the only thing that gives me any hesitation right here. Oh, absolutely. You know, I bet against the public as much as I possibly can. Uh, I'm going to make a T-shirt that says "People is morons." Like that's that's yes. my that's my want. Uh, if I knew how to make a T-shirt, but like, yeah, I am I am petrified of of where the money is on this one and who is placing the bets. You know, when you see you don't see teams in four hours have the spread drop that much. Red drop four points. That's a lot. That's a lot of movement. A lot of steam. So, I am a little bit scared. Uh, maybe am I thinking something that nobody else is? Am I thinking something that everybody is? Do I need to think of against? Do I need counterintuitive thought process, comprehension? Can I do that? I don't know. I I am a little bit on the scared side, though. I, I got to admit it. Yeah, I've told myself I'm just going to trust my eyes. I understand the, the quality of opponent that Ole Miss has played thus far has not been that great. And I just know what I'm watching when I watch this team. When Matt Corral is starting a quarterback, they don't struggle on offense. Everything is smooth, and you just watch them. 78% of the time, their drives end in touchdown. They're going to go wow. for it. They're going to have the aggressiveness. I can tell you this. This team is not going to be afraid of playing Alabama. And to me, what it really boils down to, this really feels a lot like when Ole Miss went in at 2015 in that They'd beaten them the year before. Everyone's like, oh, Bama can't wait to get revenge. And while Alabama won last year, there's still a sense of they have some unfinished business. They owe Ole Miss one. Yeah. Ole Miss at that year, they had not really played anybody. They were kind of juggling whether or not Chad Kelly was going to be their starter. That was Hugh Freeze being Hugh Freeze. Chad Kelly was their starter the day that he, he brought him in from East Mississippi Junior College. But it was the same thing. They were playing lesser opponents. They were beating up on them. And then they went into Tuscaloosa and they pulled off one of the bigger upsets of the year. I just, I'm getting the same vibes, man. And in the end, Tuscaloosa is a weird place in that if you're Ole Miss, I know you'd rather be at home. But that stadium, man, when those games get close, particularly against an opponent that Alabama thinks, yeah, particularly Alabama scared. fans think this game shouldn't be close, the stadium gets very, very tense. And Alabama's a lot less experienced on offense. I'm not saying they're less talented on offense. But they are less experienced, and we saw it a little bit in that Florida game when that game got a little tight. We saw Alabama also get tight on offense. I just think this is a situation where Ole Miss can take it to them, and they're going to be the aggressors. That's really interesting you bring that up. That is the product of a dynasty with the fans getting tense like that. Yeah. You see this in other sports. You see this in basketball when the Lakers were great, the Yankees. Uh, when they were down and they were getting these close games, the fans went really quiet because they don't know how to act yep. from behind. And they you know, they know how to play as front runners. They don't know how to act as like the bully on the block, for better or worse. They don't really know how to act as in a different role. So that's a really interesting take. I love it. I, I think I think Ole Miss has got a swag about them. Uh Corral here's what we're gonna find out about Corral. 
you know, I, I'm a big I'm a big believer that you just throw the guy out there, let him play, right? In the NFL, sure. you, you get a quarterback, throw him out there. Well, what if you break him? Well, if you break him, then he's not the guy. The, yeah. the guy, the guy doesn't get broke. The guy throws 28 interceptions his rookie year, and goes on to the Hall of Fame. That guy doesn't get broke. The guy has, you know, gets sacked a million times. And Andrew Luck, he didn't get broke. Uh, you know, so the, the guy doesn't get broken. And if Matt Corral is truly the guy, this won't face him a sec. No, and they built their entire offense around him using his legs as well. And we saw that was what gave Alabama's linebackers a lot of problems. And it's just one of those situations that if we get back, you know, next Friday, I'll be happy to put my hand up. I just, I really, really like Ole Miss in this spot. All right, one of the other headline games that we haven't gotten to thus far, we've mentioned Arkansas and Georgia. We've discussed Ole Miss and Alabama. Team that you mentioned that you think might be the most likely, if not for Alabama, to finish the season undefeated would be Cincinnati. They're going to Notre Dame Stadium. They're laying a point and a half currently. How do you like? How do you kind of see this one playing out? Man, how often is Notre Dame a home dog when they're ranked in the top ten? All right, I'm guessing almost never. Almost Especially never. Especially against the. I mean, let's let's lay it out. Not only a top ten Notre Dame team. A top 10 Notre Dame team that just came off beating, you know, a, a big win in Chicago against Wisconsin, but they're playing a group of five team. Yeah, that's the wild part about this. Um, I, I, I mean, just a little, I'm taking Cincinnati in the points. Uh, you know, I know it was Indiana, but when they were down to Indiana a couple of weeks ago, they showed so much. They were on the road. When was the last big home game Indiana's had? Never, like that with crowd fans, was, with fans, with fans. Honestly, it was probably either the Michigan game a couple of years ago or the Ohio State game, and they got run out of the building in both. Yeah, and they were they they were quiet by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. So this was this crowd was raucous, and they were calm, and they were cool, and Luke Fickle was being Luke Fickle. Uh, it was a I, I was so impressed with. I did not buy Cincinnati a second last year. And that one game, and I know it's Indiana, right? They're not great, but a lot of people like their quarterback. That's a decent team, decent enough team. And and they put it to them, man. I am I am all in on Cincinnati this weekend against Notre Dame. I think this might be my mousetrap or SpongeBob SquarePants pick. I I don't buy into Desmond Ritter, man. I, I don't like I don't like how he I, he can't throw, man. And in the end, Cincinnati had a chance to put Georgia away multiple times last year in that bowl game. And a, it was a Georgia team that wasn't playing a lot of guys. Right. I don't know, man. This is that classic. If it's Notre Dame at home and you're giving me points, fine, I'll take it. Because we've seen this one situation under Brian Kelly five times in which they've been an underdog at home. Not only has he covered all five, he's got five wins as well. Oh, that's a good record. That's a real good record. Yeah, look, I get it. You know, this will be bulletin board material for them. Uh, this is – and I don't know how much I should take into account with this. You know, for Notre Dame, playing Cincinnati at home is kind of just another game. Sure. This is the biggest game that Cincinnati's ever played. And they had a bye week. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I, I, know, it's the, I know they played a good bowl game last year against George, but that wasn't – I think this is bigger, right? Oh, I, I most certainly, because in the end, 
they kind of felt left out. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of like their consolation yeah. prize for, for not even really being considered to be part of the playoff. They have the bye week last week. Notre Dame plays Wisconsin. Perhaps they got really banged up. I mean, that was a very physical game. I know what the final yeah. score was, but, you know, it was a – that was a good old-fashioned slugfest. And, again, I'll be happy on next Friday to go, hand up, I was wrong on that one. But this is just the classic. Yeah. I'm going to need to see this first. You know what I mean? I know. I know. I know. I just I, – I need to see it. I, it it's a kind of a – it's got an Arkansas-Georgia feel where you need to see it from sure. both those teams. You need to see it from Ole Miss. You need to see it from Cincinnati. But, man, I mean – this is this just got one of those the, the 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 makeup of we know this is the biggest game in the history of our program. You're playing Notre Dame on the road. You're a favorite, and you're Cincinnati. This is oh, happening. I mean, there's there's an argument that just because they're favored, you should probably take them because you know the, the Notre Dame's typically yeah. a public team. I'm kind of I'm kind of parlaying these two together. Last week we were discussing how much that line did not make any sense last last week with Wisconsin and Notre Dame in the sense that, wait, why is Notre Dame getting this many points? And I ended up just taking Wisconsin because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. They have to know something. I think Notre Dame, there's a chance they might be undervalued. And I think they're one oh, of those yeah. teams that maybe there's a lot of hidden yardage because, you know, they, they've made a lot of plays on special teams and whatnot. But I'm going to kind of do the same thing. I think Wisconsin stinks. I don't think that offensive line's any good. I'm going to take the two points with Michigan, and then I'm going to kind of say I think Notre Dame might be undervalued. I'm going to take the points there too. Uh, look, I do think they probably are a little bit undervalued. Um, you know, nobody trusts them in the big spot. They're the team that, oh, you only made the Final Four because you're Notre Dame. Sure. That's what they become. They've gone from the, the four horsemen, the, the Golden Domers, touchdown Jesus, to you made the Final Four because – you bring bringing a lot of eyeballs. And I, and I think they have been undervalued a little bit. Are there any other dogs you like straight up this weekend? There were a few that jumped out at me. I swear I'm not picking at you. I kind of like the Vols this week. I know it's it's not a matchup oh, that's man. circled on everyone's calendar, but, man, I've watched Missouri play now three weeks in a row. They can't stop the run, man. And one thing Tennessee has been able to do this year, they even did it last week against Florida. I like how they've been able to run the football. Yeah, we have been able to run a football a little bit. Uh, so, okay, I appreciate that. I stay away. I don't bet on my volunteers ever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think Syracuse uh, over Florida State, that's an upset alert. Uh, it's a little, a little dog. You know, Syracuse is get, uh, getting five. I don't yep. trust Florida State as far as I can throw them. I think that's a little bit of an upset chance right there, too. I'm not ready to say K-State's going to beat Oklahoma, uh, but Oklahoma doesn't play well at Kansas State. They don't, but do you think they can do this three times in a row? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's so bad. I don't know that uh, they can. Your, I mean, like, uh. To your Syracuse point, Florida State at 0-4 is favored over 3-1 Syracuse, according to the Bear from College Game Day. This is just the second time we've seen a Power 5 matchup in which an 0-4 team, or worse, has been favored against a team with a running winning record. The other... 1998, an 0-4 Tennessee team was a three-and-a-half-point favorite over 2-1 Washington State. The Cougs won that game 52-24. to A year later, Dennis Erickson left left Washington State for Miami. Ooh. I don't know, man. I, kinda, I think this, it's the same thing with Florida State, man. Like, 
I think maybe you watch a couple of series to see. I think they're on quitting watch, and they're one of those teams that I've just made train just betting against them. This feels like another opportunity just to keep it rolling. Yeah, I, it really could be. And, and you know, Florida State, that is that is a program that is kind of in shambles right now after Jimbo left. Coming up next, what game are the Sharps just waiting to bite on? We've also got a head fake game from RJ, and I have a tight little 29 play card. We'll do it all next segment right here on BetQLU. Head fake games. All right, let's get right to it as we figure out which game we're going to head fake this week in college football. Now, for those that may not know, a head fake is simple. It's not really simple, but I'm going to say it's simple for this. Uh, let's assume, let's pretend, make believe that we are a giant betting syndicate. We control the market. Whatever we bet, the casinos pay attention to. So we want to change the line of a game. We like a game. We like the line. We want to make it a little bit better. So we bet on the team that we think is going to lose a small amount to come over the top on a wager that we think is going to be more advantageous to us where we can win. So for this week, I am taking Pitt. Pitt is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Georgia Tech. Pitt's coming off a 77-7 victory. I know it's against New Hampshire. Not a big deal. Now they go to Georgia Tech where they're laying three. Pitt laid three-and-a-half. Oh, sorry, three-and-a-half. Pitt laid three-and-a-half earlier in the year on the road at Tennessee, and they covered the game. Well, Georgia Tech and Tennessee are pretty much identical in the power rankings if you were to go and look at where how Vegas views each team. And but they were not at the beginning of the year, which means we're actually getting value here on Pitt. Pitt could score the ball. Forget the 77 they put up. That doesn't matter. They scored 51. Uh, they scored 41 against Tennessee. They scored 41 against Western Michigan. Georgia Tech did score 45 against Carolina. But I think that's where the overinflated value is coming in because Carolina did have three turnovers in that game. Uh, and that was the most points they had scored uh, before against an FBS school in – the entire year. The other previous was 21 against Northern Illinois. So I love Pitt here. In I think a loss. Pitt is the play. <laughs> yeah, in a loss. So I think Pitt is the play. Uh, I'm going to bet a small amount on Georgia Tech. Maybe you get it down to 25, uh, 2.5 points to get it under the field goal. So you even get a, even get a backdoor cover uh, or, or you get a late, you know, late field goal to win it. If it's a tied game, who knows? Take the take Pitt and then come over the top of Pitt right there. Yeah, in the last five years under Pat Narduzzi, when the spread is within a touchdown either way, whether they're getting seven or they're laying seven, Pitt is 15-7-2 against the spread. You'll hear more about that on my card, but let's get into the betting cards. The betting card. All right, RJ, I toss to you because, yet again, just a nice, tight little 29 play card for me. Yeah, it's very small. It's a very small card. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I got a really small card here. Uh, like I said, so Pitt minus three and a half. That's one of them against Georgia Tech. Uh, I do like Syracuse plus the five against Florida State. I've already mentioned Cincinnati minus two and a half against Notre Dame on the road. Uh, I think it's down to one and a half now. Uh, we've also already mentioned this one. Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss plus the 14 and a half. I'm, t you know, I'm taking this now. I don't want this thing to slip any further. This thing gets on under 14 points, you know, or 12 and a half, 13. I, I don't know how many people are going to take this. I like K-State plus 10.5 against Oklahoma. Oklahoma struggles in Manhattan. That's a big line right there. And then finally, Oregon minus 8 against Stanford. 
give me the Ducks, and I've got a small three-team pizza money parlay for you, boys and girls. Ten dollars is usually a three-to-one. A three-game parlay is usually six to one. This one's going to pay out twenty-nine and a half to one. High value here. Kentucky money line, Charlotte money line, Liberty money line. Ten dollars to win two ninety-five. I hope that doesn't win because on my little 29 play card, we start out, I'm laying nine and a half with BYU. Minnesota, Purdue, I'm taking over 46 and a half. We mentioned Pitt. Pitt laying three. I got it at three, maybe three and a half now. Again, 15, seven and two when under Pat Narduzzi, when the spread is within a touchdown either way. Temple stinks. Memphis doesn't play with as much tempo as everyone thinks. I'm taking under 59 and a half. I'm taking Buffalo plus seven because why not? Arkansas, Georgia, that game just feels rock fighty to me. Give me under 50. Yeah. I'm taking the Vols plus two and a half. Again, Missouri Ooh. can't stop the run. I think Tennessee can run the football. Texas and TCU over 65. Over the last two seasons when the total is in the 60s, Texas four and one on the over. We mentioned Michigan. I'm going to take the plus two just because I still think Wisconsin's overvalued. I think, sadly, weirdly, somehow Notre Dame's undervalued. Give me two with Notre Dame. I've got Syracuse plus five and a half as well. I'm laying, I'm going back to the Ohio State well. I figured, you know, why not lose multiple weeks on them and go right back to them? And I'm going to do that again. Ohio State minus 15 against Rutgers. Ohio State can throw the football, and what Rutgers does is dare you to beat them deep. I think that's a great spot. I'm taking Nevada plus six when Carson Strong is an underdog. He is eight and two with seven straight up wins as an underdog. For all the reasons we mentioned earlier, I'm putting two units on Ole Miss at, my, at plus 14 and a half. And then I'm putting one unit on the money line at plus 450. I think Ohio has, I think Ohio has straight up quit. Give me Akron plus nine and a half. I think West Virginia is going to take out some frustration from last week. Texas Tech stinks. Give me West Virginia at home, minus seven. I don't know if you caught this, RJ, but we had a Georgia Southern defensive tackle that had to issue an apology on Twitter last week. Why did he have to issue an apology? Well, that's because Gavin Adcock had been suspended indefinitely by the team after he was caught on video surfing on top of the team bus and chugging a beer thrown to him before the game. For those that don't know, Georgia Southern has already made a coaching change. Give me Arkansas State plus a point and a half. That sounds like a team that has no interest in continuing to play football this year. Wazoo and Cal, both these teams have the same record. These are not the same teams. Give me Cal minus seven and a half. I'm going to lay the seven and a half with Florida. It feels like a trap. I've been watching Kentucky recently. I don't, I don't like how they've been looking on the eye test, despite the fact that they have still been covering. I think their luck runs out this week. Give me the over in Baylor and Oklahoma State. Both these teams play with more pace. Oklahoma State also getting healthier at the receiver position. 47 and a half. Give me the over. Mississippi State and Texas A&M. I don't know how either one of these teams score. Give me under 46. UAB opening up their brand new stadium. You got to give a stadium game on your card if you can. Give me UAB minus two. Penn State, Indiana. We got a Penn State revenge game. I don't think Indiana is, is good enough. Give me Penn State minus 12 and a half. The degenerate special of the week. In fact, I might have two degenerate specials this week. 
UConn and Vandy. Why is Vandy giving up 15 to anyone? Like, UConn's sneaky kind of been frisky. I'll take 15 with UConn. Again, not taking them to win, just need the 15. This is my, this game makes absolutely no sense to me. Auburn and LSU, give me Auburn plus the field goal. I think Auburn's going to be able to run it on LSU, and LSU needs explosive plays on offense. Auburn's back end of their secondary has been pretty good. My second degenerate special of the week, New Mexico State, San Jose State. Nick Starkle, Texan, Texan legend. Well, RJ, he's in a, he's in a sling. Give me New Mexico State plus 27 and a half. That feels like the classic, eh, let's just get out of here. And we'll take uh, we'll take those points. Arizona State, UCLA, I don't really think either team is going to be able to stop the other. I don't have a great feeling one way or the other. Give me the over 55 and a half. And then Fresno State taking on Hawaii. When Hawaii has been at home the past five seasons, they are 8 and 18 against the number. Give me those Bulldogs. I'll lay the 10 and a half. Man, you brought up a couple of things that I had just been talking about all week. First off is that Chad Lunsford getting fired and the dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, surfing up on top of the uh, the school bus. That coach was like the most upbeat, positive guy I've ever seen about being one and two. And then all of a sudden he gets fired the next week. And then the dude, I mean, isn't this what you want out of your football players to be crowd surfing and, or, or bus surfing and drinking beer? That's what I want. If my defensive tackle, your defensive tackle, like if it's yeah, a defensive if tackle, you not, want that guy to be nuts. If they're not chugging beer, I don't want them. Amen. Okay? I want I want Latimer from the program. That's who I want on my team. That's who needs to be my defensive tackle. And then, fun fact: Nick Starkle. This guy, first of all, this guy's been in college football for forty-eight years now. Yes, he has. Okay, who was that guy that UCLA had back in the nineties? Paulie Dixon. He's been he was around for forever. This well, guy's around. Speaking of UCLA, Nick Starkle was the Texas A&M starting quarterback against UCLA when Rosen had that massive comeback. That was yep. like six years ago. That's when it all went downhill for Nick Starkle. Indeed, indeed. Uh, a couple of BetQL five-star bets that I have on my card. Minnesota and Purdue, I mentioned that over. That is a five-star bet on BetQL at 46 and a half. Also, Buffalo Getting the seven points, also a five-star bet on BetQL. RJ, did you have any five stars that were eyeing you? Uh, no, I didn't. I think the one that you mentioned right there. Uh, but, no, my biggest bets of the week were uh, the ones that I that stood out the most to me uh, was simply just the Pitt game and the Syracuse game. Those are the ones that stood out the most to me. I was like, wow, those lines don't make any sense. Those lines look to me like they just really kind of – I don't know how they got to them, and I'm almost scared that I'm taking them. Yeah, there is an element of in the ACC, what are you doing taking a favorite? Because it just feels like the it's it's like whose line is it anyway? Football, the points don't matter, so just take the underdog. But I, I'm with you. I kind of like Pitt in this spot. For you, before we wrap up here, what are kind of the big questions of the weekend? Like when we get when we get back next week, what are you hoping to have answered? Hoping to have answers if we know who the best team in college football is. If Alabama puts it to Ole Miss, we will know. I think we know, but I, we will definitely know. And I want to know what Arkansas is. Is Arkansas the team, you know, because this will tell us a lot about A&M, too. Sure. You know, if Arkansas goes to Georgia and puts it, you know, and wins the game or keeps it close, it's going to tell us a lot about Arkansas and that program and where their trajectory is uh, around the country. 
And I think uh, Cincinnati, we could find out, you know, yeah. next week whether or not Cincinnati does actually have a chance as a group of five team to make the playoff. Because if they go to Notre Dame and knock off an undefeated Notre Dame, I think that's going to actually be a resume line. And Cincinnati's going to start building up a case to make the college football playoff committee have to take them seriously. We're here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern. Also, when you wake up all morning long on Saturdays, once the games kick off, it's BetQLU in the action. RJ has the first four hours. I have the second four hours. It's all on BetQL, and it's all available on the Odyssey app. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Thanks for listening to and watching BetQLU.